With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I'm your gracious host, Scott Connor, at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. I apologize for missing last week. Uh, it's been a rough couple weeks for myself. Uh, some personal stuff going on, and it's just fallen in that weird place in the NFL calendar where there's not a whole lot to talk about. There is some speculation of things that could happen. And obviously here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get a lot of stuff moving with training camps starting. Uh, I apologize for missing last week. Uh, honestly, I wanted to jump on this weekend. I um, actually have some travel to do this weekend and going to put together an episode just with some of my thoughts out there for people to think about things going into training camp, going into the preseason. And really what I've found is This is the time where people come back to their teams after they've completed the rookie draft. They've taken some time off. They figured this is the time to focus on, frankly, other stuff. You're looking at just family stuff you're doing during the summer, other formats. A lot of people into underdog, a lot of people starting getting into redraft leagues. And sometimes, even for me, there are times where the dynasty portfolio takes a little bit of a backseat. It's put on the back burner, and not entirely. I mean, we are dynasty degenerates. A lot of people listening to this show have a portfolio of dynasty teams where they're constantly looking at them, even if it's just a couple minutes a day on each team, or 15, 30 minutes a day, or maybe once or twice a week, you're looking at a couple teams, and you're going through saying, is there anything I can do? Is there anything that I can transact now because of what's going on? on the open market. So it's good to have a process as to how to attack that and make sure everything is set up uh, the way that you want. So what I want to do is kind of just go through some of the things that I'm doing. I've already done a couple shows like this in the offseason focusing on very specific things, but these are going to be more just general tactics that I'm going to be thinking of uh, over the next month or so. And obviously we have some tools out there that you can use to really help this. Um, I'll be honest, the warp tool, southharmonff.com backslash warp, it has changed the way that I have played Dynasty. It's changed the way that I look at a team and I go in and assess it. Now, there is an, a league economy and a league market in every single league uh, that basically is the number one thing that is driving what's going on in that league. But the roadmap through roster construction and through putting the team together the right way, controlling what you can control and understanding that once you've done that, especially if you have a portfolio, the variance is something that you can't run from. 
It's going to happen. The season is going to start. Crazy stuff is going to happen. Injuries are going to happen. Things we thought weren't going to happen will. Things that we were sure were going to happen won't. And it's like, I have to adjust on the fly. So using that stuff week to week, we know that is a completely separate grind. But getting yourself in an optimal spot for where you want to be prior to that, I think is a huge edge that just not a lot of people are doing. And it takes some grinding. You have to be willing to go out on a limb. You have to be willing to trust the process and pick a direction. And sometimes that goes against what I will typically say, yeah, that is the move to make at this time. That is the leverage move. You know, that is the move that is optimal based on this on paper, but then you get in your league and you go, is it better to make this trade? So I'm going to give a couple examples of that where I've recently done that in leagues uh, where I think it makes sense to go and do that. And it's kind of hedging your bets against the way you're building the rest of your portfolio. Like there are times to go, you know what? I wouldn't typically do this, but let me try it here. And the more money you have into the pot, the more leagues you have to play with, it's actually easier to justify making some of those moves. A couple things on the horizon before we get started. Uh, the Warp series. It's called Mind Warped. I'm working on that with Adam of 40 Chess. Uh, we are almost done with actually recording that. Uh, then there has to be some post-production stuff that is put together, but that is going to be available uh, hopefully at the beginning of August. So we're not too far away from that. We are talking less than probably three weeks that'll be available. More to come on where uh, what it will be, what it will come with. Uh, they'll definitely be packaged together uh, with the Warp tool if you actually want to purchase them together. Uh, that will be something that will be an option. So it'll go hand in hand. Uh, it'll be really cool. It's a video series, essentially like a lecture course or a class talking about how to incorporate Warp in your league. We go through a bunch of different formats, kind of talk through strategies in lineup and best ball where they differ, but you can actually see it on the graph as we're talking about it. And a lot of times I send people those charts, they see them posted, they even go in and pull their own leagues and they wonder, how do I read this? So it's essentially going to be a class talking about how to read it, how to use it in your league, uh, and also maybe what the limitations are and what else you need to use with the warp graph, with the roster construction tool to figure out what do I do next? So that's coming here in just a couple weeks. As I said, we're almost done with actually producing that and recording that. Uh, then we have to get the post-production stuff going, but it will be available and you will for sure hear about that uh, both on South Harmon and on Dynasty and Chill. And I will definitely mention it on this show as well. Uh, the new show starting with Ray on YouTube, that will be coming out a week from yesterday. So July 23rd will be the first show. Uh, live on Sunday night, Destination Chill on YouTube. It will be a YouTube-only show. So that's going to be something that's going to be new uh, for me and for Ray in terms of doing our own show together on the YouTube channel only. So there will not be a pod feed for that. So if you are somebody that listens to pods, uh, make sure you're tapped into the YouTube channel. Again, that will start on Sunday, July 23rd, live streamed on the Destination Devi YouTube channel. So check that out if you're inclined to consume YouTube content. Uh, you can find everything at Destination Devi at patreon.com slash allgas. Uh, and then bonus content from myself over at patreon.com slash dynasty and chill. So as we get started, the first point that I wanted to touch on is I've seen this where I actually go to a league. I'm working through leagues. Obviously, when you're in a ton of leagues, you have to kind of pick your spots. You know, you'll check on some waivers. If they're running, you'll look at any trade offers that you might get. Uh, but sometimes when you have a lot of leagues, the biggest thing that can get away from you is understanding where the rest of the league is at. So what I will do is I will take the time to go in, find a league spend 15, 30 minutes on it a week, but I'll go in it and I'll do a quick assessment 
to just figure out where does everything stand in the league? Because I know what the dynasty market looks like in general, but then I go to my league and I go, how does the current dynasty market? So keep trade cut, whatever you want to use as whatever the dynasty market is, how does that differ from how the assets are allocated in my specific league? And I think that's huge. Kind of talked about that on the last show a couple weeks ago that understanding where the assets are allocated in your league versus what would be just typical or what you would see in a very evenly matched dynasty league uh, based on current market values out there, how does that differ? So looking at that, a great tool to use is Dynasty Daddy, dynasty-daddy.com. Literally plug in your league ID and you can pull up where the assets are distributed. It's not a perfect site in terms of figuring out exactly how teams are tiered. Uh, so you get credit for having more volume at a position, even if you're not the strongest in terms of like, let's say your top three QBs. There may be quarterback rooms that are a little stronger than you, but if you have five starters, you're going to get credit as having a better quarterback room. In theory, that's true until you then would say, okay, I need to move one or two of these quarterbacks to really capitalize on that QB room. So you see stuff like that. At least it gives you an idea of where the resource is allocated. So then you see your leagues, you see where the league currently stands, and sometimes you go, okay, I know my team is here. Let's say my team is somewhere in the middle, right? But then you look, there's two teams ahead of you that are just absolutely stacked. And then you look at a third team that's just as good as you, but man, they've already hoarded a couple future picks. So they have more assets to play with than you. Then you look at a couple teams and there's a couple teams that are just terrible. You look and you say, there's no way I'm going to be able to out tank this team to the bottom. So then you assess your team and you say, you know what? I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'm the fourth best team, fifth best team. Maybe I could squint and say I'm the second or third best team if everything goes right. But then I go, you know what? If I start selling off some pieces, it's still going to be really hard for me to chase those teams at the very, very bottom. So you literally, without even realizing it, you're stuck in the middle. And I have a lot of teams like this where, okay, I can squint and see a spot where I am getting a buy. I have a really good chance at winning the championship if I can finish top two. And I have a good enough team to do it, but it's not like it's a shoe-in. It's not like I'm going into hyper-aggression mode and saying, you know what, I'm going to start going and supplementing any negative spots that I have and trying to fix those now. And I have the assets where even if I have 20% attrition rate, couple injuries, things go wrong, I still have the assets to bail me out. Those are the true contenders, the true super teams where you're like, man, they are the best team on paper before we even submit a lineup, but they've also properly constructed to where they don't have a lot of gaps and they have good insulation with future picks. Maybe they have a couple extra seconds, maybe an extra first, enough thirds that we kind of talk about being able to buy spot starters that are literally just throwaway one week assets if they need. But you look at it and you're like, they have good insurance. They have a good insurance plan along with their team. So that's going to be a team if they are active, going to be really tough to keep it out of the top four, like minimum, but probably even out of the top two. And that's where you look at teams and say, I'm ready to go. I'm truly a contender. And then the same thing goes for the teams at the bottom. You know, you may think you have a bad team, but are you optimized in terms of maximizing the least number of potential points, depending on how your draft order is determined? Are you holding on to assets where you say, okay, I don't have a plan for what to do with this asset, but you're also squinting and saying, okay, that asset can help me in 2024, not realizing how much turnover there is from year to year to the point where the way Dynasty is structured now if you're sitting on a veteran player, there may be a good chance they can produce more than one year, 
but you already know you're kind of holding a really, really volatile market and a really depressed market for really most players once the clock strike midnight and the new season rolls over. So as soon as the fantasy season ends, everything hits reset. So then are you optimized to have the best team or the best position with your team going into next January? Because the season really isn't what matters to you. It is after the season where you're banking on the rookie draft. You're banking on getting your high draft pick uh, that you're bringing to the bottom based on how you're structuring your team. But you're also banking on the flexibility of what I can do with my team when we get to that point. And a lot of times I've seen people that are at the bottom. They have bad teams. And sometimes you find this out by you inquire on some of their veteran players. You say, are you willing to move that player? Now, if they tell you, I'm waiting for the season to move X player because I think he's going to have a better market during the season, then fine, I can get that. But even then, you know, you'll see stubborn players that are clearly tanking. They will hold on to veteran players during the season with the justification of they can help me next year to contend. And that's fine, but it limits the flexibility and it limits the options of what they can do. And in theory, if the market is one where those types of players are devalued, which a lot of them they are, shouldn't they be able to buy those after the season's over at an even cheaper cost? So it just feels like the insulation that you can buy if you're tanking is left on the table a lot of times, and people will end up keeping points on their team that are unnecessary, penalizes you even more if it's a league where it's potential points, and you're essentially just adding to the devaluation of your own pick, and it could cost you a draft slot. And then you go, you know what, I still kept an asset that really isn't going to be any easier for me to move around uh, once the season's over. So you see that both ways where the contenders aren't supplemented correctly uh, and the pretenders or the tankers really aren't going enough to an extreme. You got to have a plan. So if you're on either side, you need to really solidify your direction uh, by planning for the chaos and the variance that's going to happen and have the flexibility to go both directions. So if that means planning to sell off those players, specific ones during the season, knowing that the power in the move is the actual sale. It isn't, I have to get my price. I have to get this price, or I'm just going to ride this Keenan Allen into next year. Or I have to be able to have this type of asset during the year, or I'm going to keep those third round picks and just pick rookies. Works both ways. Like you want to do that to an extent so you can price enforce until the league calls your bluff and says, you know what, we're just not going to transact at that market. And that bad team, you can go ahead and keep that 30-year-old receiver. Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, I get it. You don't want to sell them right now because the best offer you may get is not enough for what you think you can sell them for in the season. That's fine. But you don't want to go, you know what, I didn't get my price. So I'm just going to ride them into another year. Then next year I have a 32-year-old receiver. And of course, if you say I'm going to compete and I'm going to use that production, then fine. But you're also missing a window where you probably could have sold and probably bought that type of asset back sometime over the next eight months. And the timing would have been better uh, to sell and then buy versus just ride one individual player out. Because one individual player, there's a lot that can go wrong with one player, uh, but not a lot can go wrong if you say, you know what, I want that type of asset, but I'm going to remain flexible throughout that entire time. And the same thing with the picks. I'm guilty of this. You know, knowing all the stuff we talk about with draft picks. I did that warp episode a couple months ago talking about the value of draft picks. And it's just a stark reality when you look at it and you actually see the value that's brought to your team by late seconds and third round picks. But then you get in the season, oh man, cannot give up two thirds for that player. It's really just one or two weeks, right? It's just one or two starts. I can't give up two thirds. I can't give up a second for that player. Man, you know, that guy doesn't have any long-term value. 
maybe he's only going to give me a month worth of spot starts. Or maybe that that's an old guy. I, you know, I really don't want to give up my second for that player. You know, I'm not getting much out of that player. But then you, you go into the warp data and you go into the offseason and you go, man, I'd love to get a year's worth of any sort of value from the rookie that I draft in the second round. And the warp data backs it up. Like there's that cutoff point where when you get to like the 204, it starts to go below zero. And again, in a lineup league, you have to find a player that's obviously usable to be in your lineup to actually capture that warp. And the ones that hit, you clearly know, and they're going to give you positive warp over time. But just on average, you know, using that pick for something always is a better bet. But I see a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it myself, again, I'll take a bunch of picks, and I go, you know what, I just I want to do more with those picks. I don't want to make that move. You know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Then you get to the end of the year, and there's nothing to buy. Everyone's already made the moves. And I held on to two seconds and three-thirds. Cool, I think I'm going to make big moves with those when we get to rookie draft time. But then what we know about those picks, especially if the league was overvaluing them during the season and didn't want those picks... Are they really going to want them that much in February or March or April? They may want them a little more because we're closer to rookie draft time, but probably still going to be lower than what you want them for because you're going to be a little salty and you're going to say, I had to hold on to those picks. I should have sold them for points, but now I have them. I'm in the dominant position. I mean, I say this all the time in the offseason. When you have all the picks from January to April, when you have all the picks, you're in the dominant position. But are you? Are you if the market isn't as healthy for those picks? really ever, but even now in the dominant spot, you still can't do a lot with those picks. So those are two things that you want to watch out for. And then the final thing that I wanted to bring up with this exact topic is if you're on the fence on either one of those sides, you really have to kind of pick a direction. You don't have to pick it right now, but you want to be planning on picking a direction. You kind of have to give yourself the ability to go either way. And I think people inherently know this, but at the same time, there are spots where you say, okay, I'm lacking here. Don't have a good second quarterback. I'm lacking depth here to start 12, and I really only have like nine players that I trust to start week to week. My depth isn't great. I don't have a ton of assets, but I have my first. I have my second. Maybe I have my third as well, but I have my set of picks. But you kind of get in this back and forth, and I've done this on both sides where I will send an offer to somebody and I'm looking to specifically bet against the pick that I have. So maybe it's a team I think is a top four team. I will send out my first looking for a certain type of package. There's a bunch of creative things you can do to send out a pick for a player. Maybe it's a player that you really don't want to pay a first for right now. But if you get a second piece thrown in there, then maybe you would justify doing it. And then when you get a response from those teams, you know what? I'm not really looking to sell. Like, I don't want to throw in the towel just yet. And that's fair because a lot of times you send out those offers and it's an offer where they have to at least consider it. It's not so egregious that there's just a rejection and it's that's not enough. They may not say it's enough, but you want to throw out offers that, especially if you're trading as a kind of middle of the pack to high-end contender. So let's say you think you're a top five, four, three team. And you go to one of those other teams in the middle. Kind of apply a little bit of pressure. That's something that I've been trying to do. It's hard to trade with the teams that are really bad. It's hard to trade with the teams that are prime contenders. Like you think are just stacked and better than you, right? So go to the other teams that are in the middle of the pack and send them an offer. Send them your first and see if you can get back a player that's close to worth a first and maybe a throw-in piece. That's the popular thing that I've been doing 
this past couple weeks is I'll send out my first that fair could be middle of the pack. Like it literally could end up being middle of the pack because I think I'm a middle of the pack team. I'm looking to clearly make a bigger move now to supplement my roster going into the season because I don't think I'm in that position where I can just go into the year and hold all my assets back waiting for something to happen because I'm already a top three team. So I'm trying to send away my first for a piece that can help me. And the other thing I've been trying to do is instead of just sending a one for one, uh, try to get a running back back, one that I think I can use, one that can kind of supplement the stable of my running back core. Because I'm usually built very similar in a lot of leagues where if you can give me a running back three, something like that can be helpful as a throw in piece in a deal. But it's not a player I'd be willing to send like a second rounder for right now because there's just no reason to. But then I'll get rejections on deals like that, and it will say something to the to the extent of not ready to punt yet, you know, not ready to essentially give myself no chance to win, whatever the wording is. But you get the vibe that the other team isn't ready to throw in the towel. You get the vibe that they're not ready to say, you know what, I'm ready to go to the bottom. And partially it might be they don't think they can get to the bottom because you may look at their roster and go, you know what, I can see a world where they think they're contending. But if they start to go in the other direction, they have to make four, five, six moves to maximize that. And they may not have been the first to roost in that league either. And they go, I, there's no way I could get to the bottom three. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle. But they just gave away their strategy. Like, I'm not ready to throw in the towel. Okay. So and then if I have a team that's in the middle, again, maybe it's a top four team, but it's not one where I feel super strong that I'm just ready to go. So I'm still kind of on the fence, which would be the reason I would bank to bet against my first. The big bets you're making on your own teams are probably the ones that are in this fourth to ninth place range going into the season. And so I'll identify those teams and see if I can trade with those other teams that are in the middle. And I'll send them an offer. So it's either buy or sell. Sometimes it can be the other way around. You send the offer where you look to sell and you try to get to the bottom and you see if they want to buy. But either way, you try to trade with those teams that are in the middle because those are usually the ones that are saying there's something they want to do uh, with their roster before the season starts. So you send them an offer. Maybe you send them your pick. They decline. So we're already there. They say, I'm not ready to throw in the towel. So then you go the other way. Okay. Are you willing to bet against your team at this point? Are you willing to send me your first? Now, a lot of times the counter offer I make is going to be not an anti-leverage trade. So I'm going to ask for a leverage deal back. So can I get your first and a third, a first and a running back that I can flip later, a first and a second and trying to send you maybe a two for two if it's a first and a second, but a lot of times like a first and a third for an individual player. Now, is it a first for that player is probably fair, sure, but I'm going to ask for the juice just to see what direction you're going to go. I kind of expect you to also decline that trade, which is what happens a lot. Uh, and people will give away their location. They will give away their strategy and say, you know what, I'm not willing to deal my first. It's risky. It's volatile. I'm not ready to give it up right now because I don't know if I'm going to contend. So right there, by just sending a couple offers, literally offers that are pointing up and pointing down, you get information from somebody where they say, and even if they don't give comments, because right, we talk about giving comments on trade rejections, sometimes that can give away free information. Sometimes it's useful. Sometimes you do want to articulate your position to somebody in a trade rejection or in a direct message. Uh, but even if you don't, if the person declines the deal one way, and then you go the other way, you're literally willing to go the other direction with your team trading with them, and they also decline that, 
You've gotten free information from them right there. They view themselves as I'm staying in the middle and I'm going to wait. So I'm staying in the middle. I'm going to play it conservatively. I'm going to wait. I don't know direction that I'm going. So being able to sniff that out, that gives you a feel for the league much better going into the season. And the same thing goes with the teams at the very top and the teams at the very bottom. You can try to change with the teams at the very top. Hey, you want something that's going to help you right now? They may or may not consider it. But if you're in a dominant position already, aside from a core piece that is literally upgrading the value of my team or upgrading my lineup right now, a lot of times I'm not looking to make those moves just yet. If I have extra assets and I already have a top two or three team, I'll just sit and wait. I know I'm going to have more leverage to use those assets later. Same thing if I'm at the bottom. You know, unless you are really helping me push an extra step towards the bottom, there's really no incentive for the teams at the bottom to do anything, especially if they think they can sell some of the things that they're trying to sell to help get to the bottom more when you get to the season. So it's really getting a feel for everybody without just asking everybody directly who's trying to win this year, who's trying to contend. You can take that approach too and put your position out in the chat, put it in your trade block, put it in your trade bait, whatever and see what comes to you. But I think there's a lot of jockeying at this point in the year, trying to figure out where teams are in your league. Because we joke, but there's some leagues I'm in where 10 people are trying to contend. And then you just look at the numbers, even if you're not even looking at something like Dynasty Daddy, where it's pretty clear, probably one, two, three of those teams, you're like, really, that team's going to try to contend? And then you look at their roster construction, you run it through the warp tool. Uh, There's been some teams I've looked at, and I go, there is no way this team can contend in the format. Yet they have four or five players on their roster where I haven't heard a peep from them in terms of them considering selling them. And in fact, I've actually heard them saying, I'm looking to buy something. But then you look at their roster construction and you're just like, it's a mess. There's no way that team's going to win. There's always that one or two teams in your league where they're just complete frauds. They just don't have really anything that points towards them being a contender let alone having stacked teams in terms of like roster value, but they don't even have like the proper alignment or roster construction that would allow them to win in that format. You see that like in two tight end leagues, you see that in heavy point per carry leagues, you see that in two QB leagues where you can pretty much spot the flaws. And if those aren't covered, what are they doing? And maybe they're just not being active and not paying attention, but getting a pulse on where those teams stand as well um, are the ones where you kind of want to be ready to pounce if they come back and figure it out, it could just be inactivity where they go in and they're like, I haven't looked at this in a couple months. And now they kind of see the dire position that you saw over the summer when you were looking at their team through whatever scope you were. Uh, but now they've figured it out. And that's the team that will go a week before the season. You know what? This team's not going to win it, especially if some negative things may happen to a couple of their players during training camp or during the preseason blowing it up. So you want to be ready to strike with those teams as well. that really haven't picked a direction. But I think the biggest takeaway here is, and I'm very guilty of this because of the lack of time in so many leagues, is being able to say, hey, you pick a name of one of the leagues in my portfolio, and I can generally tell you where every other team stands. Right now, I don't really have that ability. Dynasty Daddy helps. Going in and doing this exercise helps. And it starts with knowing where you are. It starts with knowing where your team is. And for a lot of us, you know, I only have probably... 15, 20% of my teams that are in that stacked position, right? Like I'm clearly a top two or three team 
and I'm flush with assets. Those aren't the ones that I'm really worrying about right now. Sure, there's going to be some attrition. Sure, there might be some spots where I go, there's a small leak there, something I need to go patch here. But those are not the ones that I'm probably giving the most attention to. The only thing I'd be doing on those teams would be going, if I'm selling from so much excess, can I gain some liquidation? It's really just a liquidation acquisition move there where I'm going to those teams saying, this is one of my best squads. This is clearly the best team in the league. Can I sell something just to become more flexible, knowing that I'm going to need probably some reinforcements during the season? Uh, So let me see if I can make those moves now. But those are really the only ones that I'm doing there. Uh, and then same with the really, really bad ones. I typically don't go into like full tanks, but but I definitely have like three or four teams that are absolutely terrible. They are built just purely on a couple Devi teams where I have, they are just purely Devi players. They are purely just punt teams. And you can do that when you have tons because uh, those are fun. There's a couple where I just like being in that position just to dabble in it. But those ones, the only time I even look at those are, is there something sitting on my roster that I can dump because I'm already in a really good spot to get the high draft picks in those leagues. Like they're already set up to be that. It's going to be really hard to make it not in that position. But the only time I even look at those and I go, is there anything I can just dump to accelerate that even further? Cause it gives me no future outcomes that are beneficial if I can sell them right now. So there's those that are on the extreme of both ends. They don't require a lot of attention. There's really just liquidation and, dumping. That's it. There's no other moves you really have to make on those. But the majority of our teams, at least for me, are the ones that are in the middle. And I would say most of them are in that, hey, I have the third best team, fourth best team. You know, I don't have a lot of bad ones, but there's a lot that I'm going, that's the third to sixth best team in the league. And those are the ones I want to give the most attention to. And those are the ones I want to go and test the other teams in that range to truly figure out where that pecking order is. And figure out, okay, everybody between 3 and 10. Let's make it a wide range, right? So let's exclude the top two and the bottom two, because those seem to be fairly obvious in most leagues. But everybody else. So in a 12-team league, you're talking about eight managers. I need to know where they stand. I need to know where they stand and figure out what moves they're making so that when they do start doing stuff, when they start becoming more active, when the season begins, I'm going to kind of know which ones I want to attack. Which ones have given away their position already? Which ones don't have a position? Which ones are just inactive? Because there's been times where I go through and I look at some leagues and I say, you know what, there's two or three teams. Even if they have the same type of team as me, even if I think they're contending teams, I'm going to be able to outwork them and outmaneuver them just because I'm active. I'm willing to take more risk. Maybe that's somebody that's risk averse. They're not super active. I just know they're probably not going to make that really savvy move where I go, damn. This is a team to be reckoned with during the season. So I think that's a huge thing. And I know this was really long-winded. I didn't intend this to be like a 25-minute point, but I think it's fascinating to figure out, especially if you have a portfolio, but even if you don't, get a pulse on where everybody stands. Get a pulse on who's being active, who's not, who is essentially giving away their position that they don't want to do anything until they know what direction they're going to go, but they're scared to death to pick a direction right now. Like they don't want to tank, but they also don't want to go all in and take away any flexibility or any risk. And we'll see. Sometimes that type of behavior just leads to scared to make a decision. So that's a team that, you know what, they're going to end up in the middle. And sometimes they'll posture that as, well, I'm just going to wait to see what happens during the season. But if they're not even thinking about it now, 
is that a team that's going to truly be able to go in that direction super abruptly during the season? And a lot of times they're not. That'll be the team that just waits and waits and waits. They just make the playoffs or they just miss the playoffs and they end up with the 106 or the 107. And you go, damn, like that, that is truly the worst place to be. But it ends up happening. It comes right up on you and you go, wow, that's not where I wanted to be. I should have been a little more aggressive in either direction. So I think that's a huge exercise to go through, map out your league, figure out the teams you identify being in the middle. Start by using something like Dynasty Daddy and just pick out those teams that are in the middle. Pick out a group of six, seven, eight teams in the middle, especially if you're one of those teams in the middle. Those are the ones you want to figure out. You want to get a handle on where that mid pack is and then go through this exercise and assessment accordingly so you have a handle on that uh, as we get into the preseason training camp and right before we start the season here in less than two months, which is crazy that it's come up on us that fast. So before we close the show out, I have one more point that I want to make. We will hear from Destination Devi's sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Destination Dynasty is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I'm gearing up for Underdog's Fantasy season-long best ball contest. It's a great way to put your best ball skills to the test against me and everyone else at the Destination Devi team. The best part? If you use promo code CHILL when you sign up, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Devi Discord where you can get additional stats, tips, and much, much more to dominate your drafts. What are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up. Again, use promo code CHILL to get a 100% deposit match up to $100 and deposit your $10 to get access to the Destination Debbie Discord. Back to the show. So I know before the break, I said there was one more point that I wanted to make, and I started thinking about it, and I really can probably turn this into its own show. So I'm going to wait because uh, we're going to have a fascinating episode coming up shortly. It's going to be a couple-part episode. Myself uh, and Cody and Chase from the Overreaction Podcast are going to do a cohort or a two-part series uh, on their show and on Destination Dynasty, breaking down the Heroes versus Villains auction startup that we are just completing. Uh, and the reason that we're going to do this is not just to go through one of our leagues. It's a fascinating league. It has some nuances in terms of the settings, the scoring. It's a 36-team, three-copy league. I've mentioned it a couple times on this pod before. Uh, But some of the points that we want to talk about, some of the things that happen in this auction uh, are completely organic and evergreen things that you can take away. And even if they don't apply to your league, even if you're not doing a league exactly like this, it is the training of our brains to think a certain way and be able to then go, okay, I've figured out how to think that way, or I've seen it working in a specific situation, and I'm going to adopt that line of thinking. It's essentially going to be now wired into my brain or into my dynasty mind, and I'm going to go take that into other spots. And sometimes it's not as obvious. You talk about ideas and strategies, and people will go, okay, I understand that, but I'm not in one of those situations. But it's really not even about the specific thing. It's not about the specific move. It's about being able to use your mind to say, okay, I'm in some other situations where there is some chaos. There's some crazy stuff going down in my league over here. Uh, This league is like this. Being able to train your brain to go, you know what? I'm going to be the first one to be able to assess it before everybody else does. And I think that is the biggest skill that you can enhance right now when there's not a lot of actual information. And it got me thinking because I saw a tweet the other day talking about projections and how you use those 
uh, to plan for your season. And a lot of times, yeah, it can be helpful, but then you sit there and you think about season-long projections. But then you look at this micromanaged game that we play week-to-week, especially now when Dynasty is basically a week-to-week game. I mean, we get on here every week and we talk about what just happened in the past NFL week and how a single injury, how a single play, a single game, a single outcome can literally change the trajectory of an asset or a value. And it's never meant to be that way. At least when we do these projections, it's like, okay, it's going to be a nice smooth line from week one until the end of the fantasy season. Then the season starts and we go, hey, it doesn't work that way. And we've seen it only be that the last 10 years where you're playing Dynasty and you go, yeah, it's never like that. It's always a week-to-week game. Yet we're projecting something, we're trying to project out season long. We even look at warp. That's one of the things I've thought about looking at the warp tool is a lot of our warp assessment is based on season-long data, especially if you're talking about a lineup league. Sure, it's season-long. If you saw the answers to the test from the beginning and to the end, you didn't even skip through how you got there, it still wouldn't give you the proper context of how to navigate from week one to the end of the season. So you have to know how to do that. You have to have that in your mind to say, okay, I know how I'm going to navigate this league week to week. Because sure, the season-long projections look great. I can project out every matchup. I can look at my projections. I can even run sims on some of the tools that we have. You can run a simulator and you go, you know what? I'm in really good shape here. Until the week-to-week happens. And it's not only playing the week-to-week in terms of scoring, because we do, most leagues, play a week-to-week game. You're awarded a win or a loss based on your week-to-week results. Yet everything we do to assess player projections and team strength is season long. So you have to know how to decipher that. And that is why when I mentioned that show I'm going to do with Cody and Chase, it's the mindset. It's a lot of the thinking that goes into it to where you can listen to this content. And I I tend to think we have the sharpest listeners that are tapped into here, that are tapped into Dynasty and Chill over in the Patreon, that are tapped into Destination Devi. They are the people that are already there because they go, you know what? I've already kind of mastered the other stuff the market valuing, the roster building, like a lot of that stuff I'm already doing. I'm here to learn how to think about being a better dynasty player. So then I can go to my weird league that Scott knows nothing about, that Ray knows nothing about, that Adam knows nothing about. And you can put together a way to strategize how to beat that league, how to master that league against the other managers that I don't know who they are. I've never played against them. I don't have a read on them. But you can figure out a way. You can literally train your brain to go, you know what? I'm thinking a certain way to be able to master this conundrum or this situation that I have in this league. And that's when you kind of remove the crutches. Because I think the future of Dynasty is a couple things. And I'll just leave this here because I'm going to do a whole show on this sometime in the future. I'm sure Ray and I will do a ton of talk about this on Destination Chill. Only because, you know, him and I are working on some stuff together. And we both kind of agree that the future is going to be... You know, something that looks a lot like some of the customization that we see, some of the tools that we see. Like, that's what people are striving for. There's so many more people coming into Dynasty, uh, but there's a lot of people that have been playing for a couple years that have already kind of mastered looking at player takes, evaluating players, like all that kind of stuff. The future is being able to read your league, having a strategy, being able to form one based on whatever the parameters are uh, and going from there. And that's going to be where the advantages are going to be. It's going to be understanding how to use the tools that are in front of you but also kind of realizing that we are very, very poor at actually projecting information. Even the best projections, the best betters, you're sitting there going, how much am I going to be right? Half the time? 60% of the time? Like there's not an edge there. And I think we know that, but what are you doing about it? So a lot of the discussion that we have on that show with Cody and Chase is going to be about some of the things that happen in the auction. 
but also going to be reading the league. It's a massive league. 36 other managers or 36 managers, so 35 besides yourself, getting a pulse on it, understanding, okay, the market typically says this if you put it into a trade calculator, but here's why it's not. And I want to be the first to market or I want to wait because I think there's an inefficiency here. So spotting the trends, spotting the behaviors from your leave makes, spotting the inefficiencies, regardless of what is optimal based on this tool or this projection, and then kind of humbling yourself and realizing I don't have all the answers, but what I want to be is the person that's in the league that is the quickest to spot them when they're happening and not wait and not just be chasing my tail and wait for the four other smart people in the league that go and attack it first. And then I go, hey, that was a great move. Let me go try it. Because at that point, the opportunity or the window might be gone. So look forward to that show here in the next couple weeks where we literally just kind of break down the league, but from a lens that's going to be a little bit different. We're not just going to go through every team. Hey, this team's good. They're stacked. This team's not. We're going to kind of go through some of the psychology of how everything played out, given the parameters of the auction, but also everything that goes into it, what's going to happen after, and how we think the league is going to end up shaking out. So with that, I do want to just give one more shout out to the Destination Devi newsletter. It's uh, allgas.beehive.com. Tap into the newsletter every week. You get it delivered to your email inbox every Friday. Um, I didn't mention Dynasty Trades in 5. Some cool stuff coming up on Dynasty Trades in 5. We live stream every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Myself, uh, Clay, and Shane live stream every Tuesday. Uh, Unless we have something going on, and then usually we'll do it on Wednesdays. Uh, But if you're not tapped in there, if you love YouTube content, Dynasty Trades in 5 on YouTube, also on TikTok, also on Instagram. So if you want to check those out, if you're on those platforms, uh, definitely we're trying to expand our platforms over there. Uh, So check those out if you would. And then everything that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I won't plug it again. Destination Devi, Dynasty and Chill, and then obviously Destination Chill, which will be coming out uh, next Sunday, July 23rd. Ray and I will be live streaming our first show on YouTube. So be prepared to show up if you have questions. Um, I think both him and I like to be challenged. So it's going to be some stuff where we chop it up for a little bit. Uh, But I generally think the form of the show is just going to be interaction with the subscribers, interaction with the people that are watching. So challenge us, bring some tough questions. And there may be some things I've gotten some questions recently where I don't know the answer live on air. And I'm like, you know what? I will get back to you. DM me, email me. Like I want to actually do a little research and think about how I would answer that question. That's how I want to be challenged. That is where my dynasty brain goes. So bring your best, challenge us, love to interact with a bunch of new people that are excited for this show. So check that out again next Sunday night, live on YouTube. And with that, I challenge everybody, find something to do over the next couple weeks with your teams. Because once preseason starts, once training camp opens, the information is going to be fast and furious. So enjoy the next few weeks, uh, stay safe, and I will sign off until next week. Be chill. Only ones I keep around me is my family.